If you're joining with us today for the first time, we are uh, still in the midst of our, our series on John. And um, I want to invite you just to turn to your Bibles if you have them with you. Otherwise, if not, we've got it on the screens here. We're going to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 21. And uh, this morning, we're going to read verses 1 through 19. I assure you, many of you have already heard this story. Uh, but my prayer is that it will fall afresh on us again. Uh, so be looking for something you've never seen before. Let's, let's listen to God's word together. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood up on the shore, and yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and there you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples <clears throat> came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your own hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show him by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. You know, it's now officially been a, a year since we jumped into John's gospel. It's kind of hard to imagine. We have just one Sunday left in our series. And um, you have to say it's been a humbling thing to watch as God has sort of woven this story into the life of this church over the last 12 if you just consider all that's taken place in our world and in our lives in the last 12 months, it's a lot to take in. A lot has changed, hasn't it? But what's unique, what I love about God's word is that his story never changes. Every time we turn to it, the, the lessons are the same. The miracles are the same. The cross is the same. The resurrection is the same. 
And time and time again, even though the, the world continues to sort of shift all around us, we have this timeless word that still speaks, don't we? When we first set out with this series, we gave it this theme from John's own pen. We wore it out. Look at this. John said, I wrote this story so that you may believe. And so for the last year, that's been the message every week. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, no matter what life has thrown at us, we come back to this story to recalibrate our faith. And so it makes perfect sense then that we would open up to this final chapter today and, and we would find a man wrestling in his faith with the Lord. Remember, Peter was one of the most outspoken men in all the gospel. We know that by now. His name is mentioned 37 times in John's gospel alone. And just about every time we've come across Peter so far, we find this man who loves the Lord, we know that, but somehow stumbles in his faith over and over again. A few chapters before our text, you'll remember Peter did the one thing that he thought he would never do. He's, he sees Jesus arrested. He knows Christ is looking at death and he wants nothing to do with him. We would think that this would be Peter's breakout moment for the Lord, right? And instead he caves face flat in the mud and Peter denies Jesus outright. And now we're left wondering kind of as you read through the story, like what do we make of that? The rooster crowed, Peter wept, Jesus takes his last breath. But our lesson tells us, Peter goes back to doing the one thing, the only thing he knew apart from Jesus, and he goes fishing. Look at this. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, James and John, those are the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. They went out in a boat, but that night they caught nothing. I love a good fishing story, don't you? They say, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for the day. But teach a man to fish and he'll tell exaggerated stories for the rest of his life. <laughs> but it's clear from the very get-go that this story is different, right? This is not an exaggerated story. This is a, this is a fishing trip that's covered in shame, and sadness, lament. Peter had walked away from the, the one he loved. And now these disciples who were supposed to be fishing for men, that's how this gospel started, are fishing for fish. This rock bottom moment, despite all the all the, the all-nighter, the, the hours that they had spent, they come back with nothing. In the original language, the, the Greek word for nothing is auden. Everybody say that with me. Say auden. Louder, louder, auden. This is, this, I need this to stick with you because this is the exact same word for nothing that Jesus used in John 15. Look at what he taught. He said, apart from me, you can do Auden, nothing. Now Jesus is nowhere to be found. Peter's faith has wavered and the nets come up empty. It's poetic, isn't it? You know, fishing has a way of teaching us life lessons. And I feel like this story is so simple. It really needs no explanation. A life apart from Christ is void. A life without Jesus is hollow, it's bare. To go our own way ultimately leaves us with outen, nothing. And yet just as morale has sort of hit an all-time low, the risen Lord comes to these men on this shoreline with this lesson about fishing. And like any good fishing story, this one's really not about the fish nearly as much as it is about life. Jesus says four separate distinct things that will change the faith of these men forever. 
And I want us to spend the rest of our time today looking at these four words of Christ. And as we do that, I want to invite you to think one more time about your faith and what these four words might mean for you. So as we do that, let's, let's read this first word, John 21, verse 4. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, and yet the disciples didn't know it was him. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Let's chew on this for a minute. It's been an all-nighter, right? Fruitless. The disciples clearly have nothing in the boat. They're just 100 yards offshore. Why would Jesus ask such an obvious question? Last week, I was up on the Gallatin for a few hours, um, and it was slow fishing. That morning, I didn't even get a bite. And as I was walking off the river, these two guys pull up in their truck, and they're getting their gear ready. And we made eye contact, and I realized I was now taking the walk of shame. You ever been there before? Because as you get up to their truck, you know they're going to ask you that question, right? How many fish do you catch? Any luck today? Why would Jesus ask such an ordinary and obvious question? You know, it's worth noting that, that Jesus appears to the disciples in like the most common everyday scenario you can think of. They're not on their knees in prayer like they were in the upper room last week. They're at work. Peter's livelihood before Christ was fishing. They're probably hungry. They, they just need to eat something. They're just hoping for a win. But as Christ stands on the shoreline, before the disciples even know who he is, he yells out the most basic question in the history of fishing. Any fish? And I might be overthinking this, but I have to believe this is more than just like a casual hello. When Jesus asked that question, he had a campfire cooking fish and bread at his feet. And I feel like this first word of Jesus teaches us something. I think it teaches us that Christ is far more concerned with our lives than we could ever imagine. And yet I think it also tells us that apart from him, we're lost. You got any fish? See, this is a, a give us this day, our daily bread kind of moment. I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like the most challenging times in my faith, in my life, are those times where I've forgotten of Jesus' provision, of his abundance for me. You know, so often I, I think it's in our human nature to sort of go out on the lake and shoulder our own burdens, to, to paddle around and look for our own catch. And yet Jesus shows up and the fish are already on the grill. Listen to how Jesus teaches this in Matthew 6. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear, is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Therefore, Jesus says, do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles go after those things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will fall into place. See, Jesus calls these grown men children. Did you catch that? I feel like a, it's not like a patronizing kind of way. I feel like he says it like a father making breakfast for their kids on Saturday morning. You know, he delights in caring for us. He, he's the provider. He's our protector. He is our savior. So the disciples fess up. And they tell the stranger on the shore that they've, they've got no fish. And here comes our second word from Jesus. Look at this in John 21, 6. Jesus says, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and there you will find what you're looking for. The fisherman just got a guide. Now this is a Montana fishing story. It seems to me these days we're, we're all looking for direction, right? We, we live in this world where information is on overload, and it's exhausting. 
We've talked about this a couple times in this series. You know, everyone wants to know, how is this going to all play out? It seems to me that this, this moment on the shoreline reminds us not only that Jesus cares, but that also Christ has a plan for our lives. You know, we follow all sorts of advice every day, and yet no one seems to know the truth anymore. Have you picked up on that? PhDs, scholars, experts in their field, they can't agree. So now we look to social media to give us the fact checks. But notice what's different about Christ. The counsel of Jesus is the only counsel that we have that comes with a guaranteed promise. Listen again, look at how Jesus gives assurance of his word. Cast the net on the other side and here comes the promise. There you'll find what you're looking for. My dad tells this story of, about how he and my grandpa went out on a boat up in Canada years ago. And that morning, my, da my dad decided he was gonna fish for minnows and my grandpa decided he would fish for worms and that way they would maybe spread out their luck. And every time they trolled by this hole without fail, dad got the fish, every time. Meanwhile, grandpa was getting nothing. Three, four, five, six fish in, grandpa still refused to change the bait. My dad grabbed the minnow bucket, he held it up to Grandpa, he said, just take a minnow, you could be catching these with me. But a man's pride on his boat is a curious thing, isn't it? Grandpa said, no, 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 he said, you keep fishing for the little ones, I'm going for the trophy. <laughs> it's a fairly low stakes directive from Jesus, right? I mean, the disciples have been fishing all night, all the things that they've tried have, have failed, so why not just toss your nets over to that side of the boat as Jesus said? They throw them into the water, and just as Jesus promised, their nets come up so full they can't haul it in. You know, it seems to me life is kind of like a fishing boat. We can go one of two ways. We can go out by ourselves with, with the worm on the hook with our own plan, hoping it all pans out. Or we can go with the fishing guide whose promise has already been given to us. You know, I think the challenge with this is not all the directives are as easy as, hey, put your net over there. Jesus said things like, someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. Forgive as you have been forgiven. No one comes to the Father except through me. The question is, do we trust him enough to follow even when the counsel is not so easy? Two things this fishing story has taught us so far. One, Jesus cares for you far more than you even could imagine. Two, his counsel for you is worth pursuing because his promises prove true. But now the disciples are overwhelmed, right? They went from scarcity to this massive abundance of fish. Look at how this plays out. Here's our third fishing lesson. Verse nine. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Again, let's slow this down for a minute. Jesus has just made the disciples breakfast, right? On the fire, the loaves and the fish are already prepared. You see that? Why would he ask the disciples to bring the fish they just caught? At first read, you might think, well, maybe Jesus didn't have enough and he needed more for the disciples. Except Peter brings the entire net's worth to shore. They didn't need 153. And also, this is the same Jesus, remember, who took five loaves and two fish and fed thousands. He didn't need their catch. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark 6.30, if you would, to, or we'll have this up on the screens too. And I want you to see this pattern. I want you to see how Jesus engages the disciples time and time again and uses their food for his purposes. Look at this starting in verse 30 of, of Mark 6. 
the apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, let's go away by ourselves to a desolate place and rest. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure to eat. And so they went away into the boat to a desolate place. Now many saw them going and recognized them and ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw this great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. Send them away into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, he said, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, well, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them? He said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they came back and said, five and two fish. Then he commanded all of them to sit down in the green grass and look at how he does this. They sat down by groups of hundreds and fifties. And after taking the five loaves and the two fish, Jesus looked up to heaven and said a blessing, broke the loaves and gave it to who? Gave it to the disciples to set before the people. You see the pattern? See, it seems to me Jesus uses the loaves and the fish of the disciples to feed the crowd. They wanted to send the people away, make them go back into their, their villages. We don't have enough. And Jesus says, no, 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 you feed them. What do you have? I'll do something awesome with it. Jesus multiplies the feast and we're told he gives the bread that he provided back to the disciples and they feed the people. This is super important, right? Go back to the beach one time, same lake, same shoreline. Let me ask it again. Why would Jesus have his disciples bring a catch of their food for a breakfast they've already made? Let's go back to what we've learned so far in the story. One, Jesus cares about your life far more than you can imagine. Two, when we live by his word, he's promised he's providing for us everything that we need. Three, if you've been giving abundance, that catch is not all yours. Jesus says, bring some of the fish I just provided. We're gonna do this together. You know, when you look over the last year of your life, if, if you find that God has blessed you at all, if you've been shocked at God's provision over the last 12, if you can look back and see God's faithfulness, it seems to me that Jesus calls us to bring some of that abundance back to him. I was on a mission trip in New Orleans years ago, and we had worked all week long for this family down there. And their house had been flooded. They had nothing. I mean, like third world poverty kind of nothing. And at the end of the week, the, the father of this household invited us to a barbecue. And he wanted to thank us and, and feed our kids the, some New Orleans-style chicken. And I, I told him, I said, look, we'd love, to, we'd love to do that, but let me just ask one thing. Can we pay for you? Let me, let me go get the chicken. You can throw it on the grill. And immediately he was offended. He said, no, no, no. He said, this one's on me. He pulled me aside. He said, Ryan, this gives me joy. He said, God has given me so much through those kids this week. He said, I just want to give back. Let me feed your kids. We showed up, and I kid you not, it was some of the best chicken we've ever had. It seems to me something happens to us when we, when we join Jesus in what he's doing for his kingdom. There's something to be said about being a part of what God is up to in our midst, of bringing even the little that we have, and then watching God do unfathomable things with it. Jesus said, bring some of the catch with you. You know, Christ could have easily just made the, the disciples brunch, but instead he says, no, 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 bring some of your portion too. Because everything we have and everything we are belongs to him. 
You know, in the church, when it comes to our habits of giving back to the Lord, across the nation for decades, we've hit this 80-20 rule. Statistically, 20% of the church gives to 80% of its resources. 20% of the church gives to 80% of its resources. Now think about that. That means 80% of the church is missing out on what God is doing and participating with him in his mission. You know, with that catch just sitting on the beach, Jesus later tells Peter, he says, do you love me? He said, then join me in feeding the sheep. See, John wrote this gospel so that you might believe and that in believing we might all have life in his name. That was the purpose of this book. And yet I feel like the biggest test of our faith is when Jesus has given us an abundance and we know it and he calls us to bring some of what we've caught back to him but out of fear and out of control. We can't do it. Jesus cares about your life far more than you can ever imagine. When we live by his word, he provides everything he's promised. And if he's given us that abundance, how can we not return some back to him? It brings me to the final lesson of Jesus on this shoreline. Look at this in verse 11. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 total. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and let's have breakfast. Peter goes from denying Christ, right? Weeping in his sin, lost, fishing all night in vain, to now breaking bread with the risen Lord on the seashore. How is that? Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? All three times we just read, Peter tells Jesus, you know I do. And now by the grace that only Jesus can offer, he restores Peter back to ministry again. Let's think about how deep, how great, how, how wide is the, the grace and love of Jesus. You know, I think this invitation to the table to come have breakfast serves us as a reminder that God's grace is far greater than any of my bads that you've done in your life. We can all look back over the last year. We can see where we've stumbled. We, we've said things we can't take back. We've, we've done things we wish we wouldn't have done. And maybe like Peter, maybe like Peter, maybe you've just went out fishing in a boat hoping for something else. You know, if life is like a fishing boat, we all know those, those times where we went out on our own trying to, to do this life by ourselves. And yet we know full well your nets are empty. Hear these four words one more time. Children, do you have any fish? Jesus cares about our lives far more than we could even understand or comprehend. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. When we live by his word, he provides everything he's promised. Bring some of the fish you just caught. If we've been given in abundance, how can we not give back to the Lord? Come and have breakfast. The reason we do all this, right, the reason we give is Jesus has already paid the debt we could have never paid and invited us back to the table. John wrote this story so that we might believe. Let's ask God to increase our faith. Will you pray with me? Lord, we pick on Peter, but we, we know that Peter is just a, a mirror image of us. Or many times we're, we're so quick to speak that we haven't even thought our words through. God, we're so quick to, to run away. We, we've, we've, we like sheep have all wandered. And 
Lord, we're prone to, to get in that boat and just try to do things on our own. And yet, Lord, you have given us your grace, your mercy, your counsel. So God, we ask this morning, help us to follow you. Lord, give us the faith to, to see what you are doing in our midst. Lord, and to join you in it with our time, our tithe, and our, our talents, Lord. And we pray this week, Lord, that you would help us not only to go fishing and enjoy it, but Lord, to remember that we were called to fish for people too. God, we want to join you in doing that. It's our delight because it's your delight. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.